Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 39 of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to go see a Sentai Die Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm great, man. Um, Not a whole lot to add on top of that. I'm just great. Okay. Got a lot done today. I'm on summer vacation. Summer vacation is kind of a weird animal. How so? Well, okay. Normally, if you have vacation, like if your vacation is like a week, let's say, or you have like a long weekend, sure, you're like, okay, cool, I'm just going to like veg out, or like I'm going to devote this entire time to rest and relaxation, and I'm, I'm going to have fun, right? But if you have a vacation that's two and a half months long, like you can't do that because you just, like you get locked, you get locked into not doing anything. And then two and a half months goes by and you haven't done anything. So you have to like, I have to kind of set work hours, like quote unquote for myself to like do stuff. And then after that, I sort of relax. You know what I mean? Okay. So you are on vacation, but you are still, you are not actually vacationing right now. Uh, Like I sort of am. I sort of am. I'm just, because you know, I kind of work at my own pace and just stuff I need to get done. But it's not like vacation vacation all day every day okay you know what i well, mean i'll tell you what if uh, if any of those things that you've been up to are notable enough then we will discuss them in our upcoming segment dave shining in the heavens there are five stars what oh and actually you know what i've got a first star of the week and it's not even a star it's just something i need to get it's out of the way it's not a star uh it's a black yeah, hole black hole today uh Black hole for a first Today star. Today is, we are recording on June 11th, 2015. Yep. And today was a huge, huge bummer of a day. Because one of the first things I saw when I woke up this morning is that Christopher Lee died. And yeah. then uh, one of the first things I saw this afternoon when I got back from lunch is that Dusty Rhodes died. And let me tell you, um, uh, I may have thought that I was emotionally prepared for those two things to happen. Uh, but I was not. I really was not. Especially Dusty. Like, Christopher Lee was 93. Like, I, d- I did right. not expect to see that news this morning. But, you know. I yeah. Get it. it wasn't out of the blue. Like, Dusty was 69. Yeah. He was not an old dude. No. What happened? Well, honestly, just... I don't know. I mean, I know that, like, the, the wrestling life is a hard life. But uh, all yeah. I know is that he is gone, and that it is a huge bummer, because Dusty was the best. Yeah, actually, you know who else uh, just died is Marguerite Patton, who is a lot less famous for... Well, he's just less... She was just less famous. A lot less famous than Christopher Lee, but was a really, really big deal. Uh, she was actually not only OBE, which is an officer amount of the Order of the British Empire... Okay. Which is Christopher Lee was OBE. He was a knight. He was Sir Christopher Lee. Oh, yeah. He was also like an elite Nazi hunter back in the war. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think everybody has seen... Everybody has heard this story. But on the off chance you aren't part of everybody, there's a scene in Lord of the Rings where Saruman is stabbed from behind. And there is a story that 
Peter Jackson and when he was alive, Christopher Lee would tell about Peter Jackson had started to go into this explanation for Christopher Lee about how he should act when he gets stabbed in the back. And about like 30 seconds or something into this explanation, Christopher Lee stops him and he says, Peter, are you sure you want me to do it that way? Do you actually know what it looks and sounds like when someone gets stabbed in the back? Because I do. And Peter Jackson said, very predictably, huh? Effectively. And (laughs) according to Peter Jackson, uh, Christopher Lee goes on to talk about some very clandestine parts of World War II and kind of what he was doing during that time. So Christopher Lee was a pretty rad dude. dude. Christopher Lee was the best. I actually, I... This whole evening has been thrown off for me because originally, and this is actually still my plan, is after we're finished re- uh, recording this, I'm going to go watch the Cavs game because we're still in the finals. Oh, and yeah. Then, we're two and two and two one, and one now, yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. And that's then I found out that Christopher Lee died. And I was like, well, now I feel like I really want to go watch a Christopher Lee movie. Like maybe some old Christopher Lee because that's sort of like a... Yeah. There's a, I've got like a big Christopher Lee blind spot. Like... I've got the man with the golden gun. I've got a lot of his later stuff. Right. A huge chunk right. of his uh, horror movies. Like, I've seen some of them. I've seen some of, like, the Fu Manchu movies, but I've hardly seen any of the Draculas. Um, Me neither. Oh, dude, he was Dracula. Like, he was Dracula more than Hugh Jackman was Wolverine. He was Dracula a lot. Was he seriously? I did not know that. Yeah. No, I mean, I knew he was Dracula, but I didn't know he played it that much. Um, and so I was like, well, maybe I'll try to dig up an old, like, Hammer Dracula movie. And then I found out that Dusty died, and now all I want to do is spend all night like watching old Dusty Rhodes Ric Flair matches, and I can't do all three of those things on the same night. That's true. Okay, well, dude, but tomorrow we're going to go see NXT, and I am sure that they will do some sort of tribute to Dusty oh. Rhodes. I mean, they can't not, right? No, I mean, listen, Dusty was hugely influential in running NXT. I don't know if you know this, but like Dusty, you know, he hasn't wrestled in ages, but... Oh yeah, um, he never left the business. Like he was a like mentor. No, no, no I didn't know that behind the scenes dude. Yeah, yeah, he's been. He never. Yeah, he's just been doing stuff. Oh wait, sorry. To return to Marguerite Patton really quickly because she's actually a super cool lady. She was also involved in World War II, but she was entirely on the British home front. And this is kind of how I know about her because of the Ration Project. But she did a lot in the Ministry of Food which was a total, like, was a government agency in World War II in England. And she was basically, like, British Julia Childs on the ration was effectively who she was. Oh, okay. She kind of, yeah, like, she sort of taught England how to cook on the ration. I actually, well, I have. my Beth has, who is my wife. Two of her cookbooks, and they're really good, actually. Like, we haven't, we've only cooked, like, we actually cooked a fair number of things out of them. But... It's really cool. She was like a super cool lady and she was really important to maintaining like homefront morale in England during World War II just by providing people that was like with food that was edible and tasty with very, very little in the way of ingredients. So she was actually also a super cool lady. So yeah, uh, that is our black hole for the week. Uh, yeah, a bunch of, a bunch of really, really neat cool people, people died. died. Um, but Dave, to cheer us up after that, what is our second star of the week? Okay, switching gears entirely. Uh, dude, second star of the week, Fallout 4. Fallout 4 is coming Fallout out. Like, we knew it was coming 4. out. 
Like, we knew it was happening. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, nobody didn't think there wasn't going to... Nobody didn't think there wasn't going to be a Fallout 4. Anyways. I take your meaning. Everybody knew that Fallout 4 was happening. Like, it couldn't not happen. You know what I mean? But now it's definitely happening. We we know what's up. It's set in Boston. Oh, dude. Guys, if you haven't seen the trailer, go check... Pause this, if you can. Go check out the trailer for Fallout 4. It looks rad. It looks super amazing. Dude, it looks it's set. Did great. I say it was yeah, set in Boston. Boston? I'm really excited about it being back on the East Coast because I liked New Vegas, but I thought Fallout Loved 3 was... Okay, the gameplay of New Vegas was better. I liked the game of Fallout 3 better. Like, you I know, liked being okay, in the wasteland on the, east, uh, on the Eastern Coast as opposed to being, like, out in the desert. Like, it just felt now, better. And also, the story was better. That makes sense. Um, I think the story was ultimately better. But I tell you, like, I felt like the gameplay in New Vegas was so much better that I ultimately preferred New Vegas. Although they were both fantastic games. But in any case, but yeah, man, Fallout 4. Fallout it 4. It looks great. And my understanding is that uh, 3 Dog is going to be back. Dude. Uh, yeah, if I could just get Three Dog back, honestly, that was, okay, if we're going to be really frank about this, uh, if Three Dog was in New Vegas, I might have liked New Vegas more than Fallout 3. Dude, he was such, he was a huge part of the game, like sort of a weirdly huge part of the game. Anytime, because if you, for whatever reason, haven't played Fallout 3, Three Dog is a, um, he he runs the radio station of the best radio channel that you can listen to in the wasteland yeah and and there's a mission that you can go on like early fairly early on in the game it can basically be your you, first mission and it always yeah, you is want it my to first be. mission because what it is is you help him get a satellite radio or a satellite dish to boost the area in which you can get his radio signal to basically the whole map and it's absolutely worth it because then you can just listen to three dog throughout all of fallout 3 and he's great. He's uh, the guy who does the voice acting is hilarious and fun, and he just really adds to the ambiance of the game. And he's supposed to be back in Fallout Four. I'm just super. Gen- There's really basically no information about it aside from what we just. Yeah, told it's like you. a three it or four great. minute trailer. Go check it out. Yeah, three dogs supposed to be in it. It's set in Boston. Oh, um, there was something about Matt uh, War. There was something about War that they mentioned in the. Does trailer. it change? No, 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 that's what it is. It's oh, war, war never, never changes. changes. That's right. Okay. Yeah, never. Yeah, I almost forgot about that. That's really important to remember. For a moment, he thought that war might have changed. I was concerned. Ron Perlman was there to reassure me that war never changes. So that matters our second star of the week. What is our third star? Okay, Dave, this is a star that I kind of wanted to talk about earlier, but you only just saw it last night. Uh, and now yeah. we can talk about it together. Dude, Kung Fury. Kung Fury. Uh, Ridiculous. Listen, Cats and Kittens, if you have not seen Kung Fury, go check it out. Uh, It's on YouTube. It's like half an hour long. And Dave, how would you describe Kung Fury? Hmm. It's like an 80s action movie, but it's also like an 80s video game. Okay. Here's what it ultimately is. It's a clearly a loving send up 
of like 80 like ridiculous 80s action but layered over the top of that is the pastiche of like looking back on it 30 years later and sort of laughing at it a little bit but not in like a a mean way in a way that like you know it's something that you grew up with and you love it but in retrospect it's sort of ridiculous yeah it's uh Dave, did you ever play, or listeners, did you ever play um, Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon? Because if you have, it's a similar aesthetic. Yes. It's a very similar yeah, aesthetic. That's very that. well said. So it is. Oh, oh, you remember we were talking yesterday, Matt? We were trying to figure out if it was, in fact, Swedish. Yeah. Uh, it okay. is. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. couple of Swedish people making this, like, weird. You know, like, it's the story of a cop who, while he is chasing a ninja master down an alleyway, just after his partner gets killed, gets struck by lightning and bitten by a cobra at the same time, causing him to mutate into some sort of uh, freak-of-nature kung fu master. Uh, And then he uses his new kung fu uh, powers for good to fight, uh, you know, weird kung fu crime. And there's time travel and robots, and you're going to love it. Even if you don't love it... um, Spend half an hour watching it, and then you will know what my brain feels like on a really great day. Yeah. No, that makes a ton of sense. So, yeah, it's half an hour. It's free, and it's free. It literally will cost you nothing. It's on YouTube. You can just watch it. But you should. You should totally go watch it. Kung Fury. Check it out. Okay. So, Dave, what is our fourth star of the week? Okay. So, our fourth star of the week, Matt, slightly more mundane then Fallout 4 at Kung Fury, but worth talking about. So my hot water heater exploded. My water boiler is dead. Like, it cracked. Okay. That's no good. Right. Which is not the good part. That's not the... I was going to say, I feel like we should have talked about this in our uh, sort of (laughs) everything is bad black hole to start off with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But check this out. So I have a home warranty, which is different from home insurance, right? So home insurance covers, like, fire, flood, tornado, earthquake, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Right? All the classics. All the classics. A home warranty, it's like $44 a month or something. And what it is, is that... What's the easiest way to say it? Basically, I pay someone $44 a month, and they operate as a landlord for a house that I already own. Does that make sense? Okay, so like if something okay, big like, breaks, like if they a... just come and fix it for you? Yeah, basically. That's not a bad so deal. So if I... No, it's great. Because, like, okay, for, so for example, like we've had service people out a handful of times, plumbers, electrician, electricians, whatever, and it's like a $75 service call when you call them out, but you get charged a service call once until the issue is fixed, like, last, uh, last fall, we had a problem with our thermostat. And they had to come out, like, four or five times to kind of, like, figure out exactly what it was and go through it and fix it, blah, blah, blah. Cost us 75 okay. bucks. I called the guy out to do the hot water heater. He came in, took a look at it. He was like, yep, it's cracked. Like, it can't be fixed. He said, let me call the people. I'll call you, we'll call you this afternoon. So he calls American Home Shield, which is who provides this service for me. He calls American Home Shield. They call me. 
They say, hey, we talked to the plumber. They say, He said it was normal wear and tear. And so we will just be replacing your hot water heater and we're covering the hot water heater and all the labor to install it. Dang. Yeah. So basically, so I've had it for a year and a half, or I've been paying for it for a year and a half. And because we got it as like part of the deal of buying our house. So we got, we've got we been paying for it for a year and a half, and it already paid for itself. Dude, that is it's beautiful. Great. Yeah, so if you own a home, I definitely recommend it. 44 bucks a month. Chances are pretty good that you won't miss it if you own a house. And, uh, you know, it covers, like, my furnace, hot water heater. It even actually covers small appliances. Like how small? Uh, I think it covers, like, I have a KitchenAid. And I think if my KitchenAid broke, I mean, KitchenAid has its own warranty. But if my KitchenAid broke, I think they would cover it. Like, it's a pretty comprehensive plan. Totally worth it. Well, I'll be. Anyway, well, that is very cool. Yeah, so uh, if you own a house, get a home warranty. It's worth the money. Okay, and Dave, I have here in my notes that you want to talk about summer food for the fifth star. Okay. Yeah, Matt. So it's hot out. Now it's warm out. It was like 85, 88 degrees today in Cleveland. It gets kind of muggy in Cleveland. Let's talk about food for a second. Okay. I feel pretty strongly, Matt. And this is this advice or this realization maybe has stood me in good stead and so I'm going to share it with everyone else. Eat food. Good call. From a place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean obviously. But eat when you're trying to decide what food you should eat, eat food from a climate and culture that is experiencing the same weather that you are now. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Although you may want okay, to Okay, so check it out. Bit. So today in Cleveland, it was like 85, 90 degrees and kind of muggy and really sunny. And to me, that says, go get like some Thai food. Get food, like get Thai food, get Indian, get Mexican, although Mexican isn't, Mexico isn't usually muggy. Because, Matt, those foods are designed to taste good and to be like satisfying and delicious when it's 90 degrees and muggy out. You see what I'm saying? You know, that is a very good like, point. That is not what I thought we were going to be talking about. I thought we were going to be talking about like grilling out hot dogs and stuff, doing some like boys of summer. Oh, stuff. no, no, no. Okay, grilling out is fantastic, totally. But as a large, but everybody does that. This is me trying to trying to evangelize, Matt. Get some Thai food when it's hot out. It's so good. I mean, Thai food is good in general. Oh, sure. But like, okay, so Matt, like schnitzel, like Wiener schnitzel and uh, spetzel, right? Sure, the spetzel and the Super spetzel. delicious. Yeah, maybe don't eat that. When it's like 90 degrees and muggy out. That's not 90 degrees and muggy out food. Dude, don't try to take my schnitzel away from me. I mean, you can. I'm just saying. Maybe get some pad thai. Maybe eat some green curry. I, I, I feel like this is uh, kind of getting away from me, Matt. I just want to tell you that you should eat some Thai food. Uh, well, get yourself to be some frank, it, it, it does not take much to convince me to eat Thai food and pho, uh, but I, I appreciate okay, your point. input. 
The one thing that I wanted to it's say about food summer food far. is that if you're eating a hot dog, mm-hmm. uh, get a hot dog with a natural casing. Don't be a jerk about it. Oh, yeah. We had some okay. hot dogs last night. Listen. We were growing out. And listen, I don't know what has gotten into uh, humanity since we were children. But I remember it Dude. used to be pretty easy to find a hot dog with a natural casing that when you put it over a grill would like split and get a little crispy and amazing. Now, Matt, you may be... Listen, dude, most of the world grows up eating Ballpark Franks. Dude. Uh, or Oscar Mayer. I, I guess that's fine if you're like a weird jerk who doesn't like good food, but... Matt, d- Matt, it's not their fault. It's not their fault, Matt. Matt, they just don't... They don't know, Matt. Okay, here's the deal. Sorry, really briefly... We may have mentioned our parents are both from Buffalo. Buffalo, not a great food town, as in like hot cuisine style town. Oh, but a, yeah, but if for you blue want, collar food, yeah, it's the place like to be. Food, yeah, subs, pizza, wings, hot dogs. Buffalo is like the place to be. It's amazing. It's amazing, and they have fantastic hot dogs. The particular brand is called Salem Hot Dogs, but the point is, it's a natural casing dog, and it gets that split. If you guys don't know it, okay. If you get a natural casing dog, the casing only expands so far, and when the the fat like expands because it's hot, the dog like the skin of it cracks and it gets like caramel. Oh my gosh! It's the best. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. Get yourself some natural casing dogs in and around Cleveland, at least uh, five star. Right, yeah, five Matt? star is the and, thing to go um, to uh, around here. Uh, you know, just look into it. I'm, I mean, it's not as though they are not uh, yeah, available. Yeah, you can find places. a natural casing dog. Uh, if they're not over right. by your um, hot dogs, check over by the deli. That's a hot tip yeah. for you. check them out. Just do that thing. So those, Matt, are our five stars of the week. Okay, so five stars having concluded, we are going to take a break. We are going to watch episode 39 titled The Demon Fist Falls in the Setting Sun. Ooh. And we will be... That sounds like right Jim. Back. Okay, welcome back. So, we have just finished watching episode 39, and Dave, why don't you give us a quick recap? Okay, this is a fantastic episode. Man, it's going to be tough to find... <laughs> it's going to be tough to find stuff to goof on in this episode. It was really good. But, it was kind of a hard episode to follow. There was a lot of scene shifts. Here's the deal. We see Jin... Again, the demon fist for what I can only assume is the final time. And Dave, just in case uh, somebody wasn't with us for the last episode that he showed up in, why don't you remind us who Jin the demon fist is? Sure. Jin is originally a super deadly uh, martial artist, and he and Ryu have had a rivalry that has been going back and forth over the course of, I think, four episodes now or three. Uh, I think this is the fourth. I think time this is the fourth episode. Yeah, and so it's kind of this back and forth between Ryu and Jin. Who is the greater fighter? And this, and now we kind of see the culmination of their relationship. But at one point in his history, Jin was captured by Zydos and infused i guess with the like demon fighter power of like the forest of dead spirits or something with the goal that he jin would eventually turn into a goma under zydos's command and jin of course was having none of it and now we sort of see the the end of that happening yes although um he wasn't 
captured originally by Jin. He volunteered to get the evil powers. Oh, that's right. He volunteers to get the evil powers, and but then Zyder then, says, okay, now we're partners, and Jin says, you know, pound salt. Precisely. And uh, continues to tell him to pound salt for the next two episodes, I think. Yes, and the last time we saw them, Jin, that is when Jin had been captured by Zydos. And That's when this right. episode begins, we start off in like a weird spooky jail cell where Jin is imprisoned and yeah. there is a guard outside of his cell. It is a Kotopotro with a nightstick. Well, that's actually, we may as well just get started. So that's where the, that's where the episode starts, is there is a Kotopotro and it's guarding Jin. And he is Jin. Seems like he's asleep, maybe. And the Kotopotro sort of like rattles the bars and thinks to himself, we can assume he thinks because the Kotopotro don't talk. Usually. Like, ah, usually. Something must have happened to Jin. I'll go in and check it out by myself, which is like literally maybe the oldest trick in the book. Aside, the second oldest. Maybe the oldest is like, hey, look over there, and this is number two. Definitely the oldest jail trick in the book, I feel like. Oh, yeah. It's either pretending to be like somehow unconscious or pretending that you are sick and need help. Yeah. Kodopodoro totally falls for it. The predictable happens. Like, he walks in, Jin, like, jumps up, I think, like, strangles him with his with his chains. Yep, that is and exactly then, what he does. Yeah, grabs the key and boogies. End okay. scene. Cut to Rangers, playing baseball. So Struck they're hanging out little... in the park. They're just yeah. sort of, you know, chilling, playing ball. Uh, Ryu is out in the field. I'm not um, going to lie. It struck me as a little weird that they're playing baseball. I feel like maybe they would have soured on the game because of the Three Stooges baseball thing. Maybe not. The Japanese are crazy for baseball. That's true. They did. Japanese love baseball. So maybe they don't care. Dude, you can't can't, uh, dampen their fire for the beautiful game of baseball just because they had to fight a couple of (laughs) monsters. If they had to stop doing something every time there was a monster fight that was themed along that thing, they would just do nothing but sit in the murder basement and stare at each other until they got into a fight with one that had a lot of eyes and did nothing but staring contests. And then they couldn't even do that. There was an eye monster, wasn't there? Um, There There was was an eye monster... I think okay. Oh, you know what? I might be remembering a monster from Power Rangers, like from when we were kids, because there is yeah. definitely like an eye monster. Yep, there's an eye monster eyes. in Zoo Ranger, which is probably what you're thinking of. That's almost definitely what I'm thinking of. So anyway, so the Rangers are playing ball. They're hanging out. Ryu, kind of out of nowhere, has like a flashback moment to the last episode where we saw Jin. And the last episode where we saw Jin, like the final thing that we see Jin do is save Ryu from like a deadly attack from, what was his name? Captain Cannon or something? Uh, Sergeant Cannon, I believe it Sergeant was. Sergeant Cannon had who, launched if his you'll single... recall, was the guy who had one and only one shell for his main gun. <laughs> That's right. And he uses this one shell to try to kill Ryu... Jin has jumped in the way, saved Ryu, for the express purpose that he, Jin, could kill Ryu later. He's like, no, I will be the one to kill you. Classic rivalry stuff. Right, classic rivalry stuff. So that's the last thing that we saw Jin do. And then Ryu didn't see this, but we, the viewing audience, 
saw Zydos like carrying Jin off to presumably the cell that we just saw him break out of. But kind of out of nowhere, Ryu just remembers this moment where Jin saved him. And that's kind of it. Like we just see him like flashback to that happening. So speaking of Jin, we cut back to him briefly and he is running under what appears to be like underneath a highway somewhere. Dude, I don't like there is just no sense of like geographical continuity in this show. He's no, like, like, he was in a cave. Now, I think he's, like, in a big puddle underneath a highway overpass. Yeah. And in a moment, he will be, like, at this park where they were playing baseball. But for now, he's just <laughs> sort of running and saying, I need to stay alive no matter what so that I can beat Zydos and Ryu. Right. This is a, this is a man uh, driven solely by his desire for revenge, kind of doing... It's that you can see it. I'm sure you can. It's the classic, like, you know... Hurt, running away, like, kind of stumble running through puddles. Like, it's exactly what you think it looks like. Falls on his face into the puddle, and then we cut back to the jail cell where he's previously escaped. Zydos is sort of observing the Cotopodros scurrying around. And he's like, aha, this escape is futile because his body already belongs to me. Right. We don't actually know what that means yet, but that's what Zydos says. And then immediately after, so that scene is like, like it's like, like I said, it's kind of a hard episode to follow because it just jumps around a lot. So we jump away from Zydos back to Ryu. The ball kind of sails, because remember they're playing baseball, the ball sort of sails over Ryu's head. He kind of is like, huh, what? And turns around to go look for it, wanders off the field through some woods and is just kind of saying, ah, oh, where's the ball? Where's the ball? Finds Jin collapsed face down not in the puddle he was in before just in like some brush i guess okay so he has found Jin, and the next thing we see is Jin waking up in a bed with like some bandages applied to his face there's like a little vase with a single flower in it at his bedside table and he sort of wakes up and looks around with a sort of like what on earth is happening look on his face yeah I had the same reaction, <laughs> but turns out Ryu has decided to nurse Jin back to health. We don't really know why. Ryu doesn't really know why, frankly. Jin certainly doesn't know Jin why. Jin totally doesn't know why. Jin actually, as soon as he sees that it's Ryu who is helping him, he's like, I will not accept help from you. Like, let's fight right now. And he sort of tries to, like, stumble out of bed. And and he, he does. Like, he tries to, like, get into a fighting stance. And Ryu's like, Jin, dude, no, we're not going to do this. Like, you need to chill. You are barely standing up right now. Like, lie back down and we can revisit this topic later. And yeah, so Jin is completely mystified. Ryu just being the bigger man, it seems like. Kind of. Kind of. So we cut down kind to of, uh, yeah. the murder basement headquarters. And uh, you know who else does not understand why he has taken Jin in? Literally Everyone anyone else. else. Yeah. yeah. Nope. Shoji, who is looking a lot more like biker gangy. He's got on like a blue leather jacket and like a bandana and stuff. It's pretty cool. And he is predictably freaking out. Because I feel like Shoji only has one reaction mode. You know? He only reacts in a very extreme way. Whether that is through violence or love or compassion. But, like, he only goes to 10. And that's it. 
<laughs> but let's Shoji. Okay, so Shoji is like, I don't, I don't get it. What are you doing? I think uh, Kazu also doesn't get it. Yeah, he's like, listen, this guy keeps trying to kill you. Why are you giving him your bed? Because, right. oh, by the way, Jin does not have two beds. Like, I'm Ryu sorry. Does not have Ryu does beds. not have two beds. Jin is just staying in Ryu's, like, twin bed while Ryu, like, sleeps sitting up in a chair. Yeah. And Ryu's just like, guys, I kind of just, like, he saved my life. I feel like maybe on some level I owe him. But he doesn't sell it. You know? Like, I no, don't quite it believe feels like Ryu. He hasn't quite convinced himself either. Like, he knows that he, is, that he feels compelled to help him. Yeah. But he hasn't quite sorted out his feelings as to why he's doing it. Like, this is maybe the best explanation he can give himself right now. That seems fair. Yeah. Okay, so we cut away from there. And next we just see Ryu, and he's in the restaurant. Ryu's a cook, if you don't remember. He's in the restaurant, washing some dishes. It's clearly late. One of the other cooks says, like, Ryu, what's going on? And he says, oh, like, I have a friend who's hurt, so I need to make a little extra money, so I'm working overtime. The guy's like, great, well, uh, you can finish my stuff up. I'm out of here. He just leaves. And then that's it. So maybe this is just supposed to show us that not only is Ryu helping out, like, he's really going the extra mile to help out Jin. Yeah, we, then we, uh, we cut back to uh, Jin in bed. Ryu, like, brings him some rice. And is like, oh, here you go. Here's some rice. Like, take my word for it. I'm a great cook. Jin just, like, knocks it out of his hand. But Ryu does that thing where, like, he pretends that it was an accident. Oh, yeah, he just, he like, completely no-sells the fact that Jin was being a jerk. He's like, oh, you're so clumsy. You knocked over this rice. Here, let me help you. All right. Next scene is a little bit weird because we are actually getting, like, a first-person perspective from what we can only assume is a Goma. And it's kind of, like, alien style. You know the part in the Alien movies where you're seeing everything from the Alien's perspective and it's kind of like a fishbowl lens and it's sort of scurrying around, right? We get yeah. that. Yeah, that is exactly what we get here. It's nighttime. The monster is stalking a woman. And, I mean, it's, uh, it's and literally it's, like, that's yeah, it. it's, it's like, it is maybe 30 seconds. I don't think it's even that long. But, but briefly, so we know that there's this monster out there. We don't know what it looks like yet, but it's there. Cut to next day, Ryu and Jin in a train station at the bottom of some stairs. Ryu is sort of calling out to people like, oh, Jin is in a wheelchair, by the way. Kind of asking people as they're passing by, like, hey, can you give me a hand? Hey, you, please help. Nobody is paying any attention to him. Like, yeah, everybody's just kind of wandering by. at the bottom of by. some stairs, and this is not a wheelchair accessible area. Right, And so he's trying to get some help to carry Jin up the stairs. And Jin is like, listen, nobody's going to help you. Everyone only ever looks out for themselves. That's just how people are. Like, stop being so, like, naive and optimistic. Right. Like, it's and just then it's not going to happen. Ryu uh, is the best person alive. Yeah, he just says, well, in that case, I'm going to have to be extra kind, I think. I will be extra kind to make up for everyone else. Yeah, and he, he has, like... It's so great. He's like, I just have to be kind enough to make up for all of these other people. It's so one of those really yeah. wonderful moments in, like, tokusatsu shows 
where it's just this moment of beautiful, like, no, like, I am going to, like, be the nice, kind, good person that is necessary for this situation. Uh, it's beautiful. I love it every time. Yeah, that's just, it's something that you do see in, in Die Ranger, and you're saying, I guess, apparently, another, like, Tokusatsu shows as well. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it is. They just pull the Superman moment, you know, like, right. they, you They're know, do good moments. to others and every man can be a Superman. Like, that is what Ryu is doing right now. Yeah. Like, it does not matter to him that the other people around him are not being a great person. That is not going to stop him from trying his best and being a good dude. Yeah, it's totally rad. It's super cool. Uh, Jin is still completely unimpressed. He's like, I don't even care. Like, I guess maybe he's like letting himself be dragged up the stairs. Oh, yeah, because sorry, that's what Ryu then does is he leans back, like, picks up Jin, like, piggyback style, and carries the wheelchair with his other hand and just single handedly, like, hauls Jin and the wheelchair to the top of these stairs. Yeah, dude, Ryu works out. Yeah, dude. I mean, we've seen him before. Dude is pretty cut. Okay, so they, I forget, they presumably get to the top of the stairs. It's not a really notable moment. Yeah, uh, what's, then, what's at the top of the stairs is irrelevant. The point is, is that Ryu is carrying yes. this dude up the stairs. Uh, so that scene cuts, and then we get another brief cutaway, like later that night, to another attack of the same monster. Yeah, and at first we don't see it. We get that same sort of fisheye, like fisheye lens thing, and it attacks... I don't it's know, a like, couple this time. It's oh, a yeah, couple that's right. It's a couple. Like holding hands on a park bench or something. Right. And then it kind of cuts away to a third person, and it's like like a bone werewolf thing. Yeah. I think it's, bone werewolf is a good way yeah, to describe that's fair. it. And it's uh, they say it is the starving wolf spirit. And this is actually pretty crazy. We've never seen this before. This monster not only attacks people, but eats them. Yeah, dude, the, the the starving wolf spirit is a not only creepy looking but creepy acting monster. Yeah, man, it he's like not just like absorbing down. them into a weird energy field. He just like straight up devours them. Yeah, it's it's like blood all over his mouth and stuff. Like it's pretty crazy. Okay, so that scene ends. Like again, all these scenes with like the werewolf thing are super short. So it all of the in. scenes in this episode are super. Oh short. Oh my gosh, dude! Normally. Like, when I'm taking my notes to kind of talk about what's going on later, there's normally between, like, 10 and 12 scenes in an, in an episode. And this one has, like, 18. Anyways, that's not really the point. So, we jump back, and we see Ryu kind of asleep at this chair next to the bed that Jin is asleep in. And we see him, like, he's, like, working at the restaurant in his dreams, I guess. And he's still wearing his work clothes. Like, oh, he yeah, was working still wearing late. his work clothes. He came home, like, passed out in the chair, and is sort of talking in his sleep as though he's still at the restaurant. Right. It's adorable. <laughs> so Jin wakes up, kind of, like, is, I don't know, we don't quite know what's going on with him, but he looks down at his arm. And he's got, like, some well, marks no, no, no. First, on his hand. I'm sorry, Dave. Let me hop in here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Before he does this, and this is notable, he looks over at Ryu sleeping, and he sort of, like, he gives him a smile. Oh, that's right. And it's at this right. moment that you realize that Jin has now accepted the help of Ryu. Yeah, you know, like that's It's been right. a couple of days, and Ryu's really been working at it. And in this moment, Jin is like, you know what? Like, maybe... This like, maybe this guy is cool. Maybe we can get along. 
Like maybe we can work past this rivalry thing. Maybe I great. don't. Maybe I don't have to like go through my entire life alone, which is basically what Jin has his whole life. He's had nobody. Like this is kind of the core of Jin's character. Oh yeah, even I mean, like, his the end his, of his karate master, story arc, right? Like he kills his ex girlfriend to like cut out any love in his heart. Yeah, like this is a dude who is invested in being alone. So anyway, so he looks over at Ryu, does this little smile. Thank you for pointing that out. Then he looks down at his arm, and he's got like some scratches on his hand. I don't know if that's supposed to be significant. I feel like maybe it is. But then he rolls up his sleeve, and he's got like like a white protrusion. I think it, it looks like a bone on his on his forearm, like sitting yeah, well, on top the, of his forearm. Uh, the, the scrapes on his hand are at the end of the last scene. We saw that the starving wolf spirit had, like, scraped up his hand while attacking those people at the park bench. And he's got the same scrape on his hand. Oh, okay. You know what? I honestly assumed that the scrapes on Starving Wolf Spirit's hand were just blood from a person, from, like, one of his victims. But your, ah. thing, makes, your thing makes way more sense. So, like, he so, rolls up his sleeve, and he sees this bone, and he sees this scrape, and he's trying to figure out what's going on and where they've come from. He doesn't know... But he knows something is up. And then Ryu wakes up. He's like, oh, hey, buddy, what's going on? <laughs> and Jin, like, freaks out. He's like, no, get away from me. Like, Ryu tries to walk over, and Jin, like, pushes him away. And then Jin, like, throws himself backwards on the bed and pulls the sheets up over his head like a five-year-old who doesn't want to get up for school. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> So that scene ends just with Ryu, or not Ryu, sorry, Jin, like, just like throwing a temper tantrum. So the next scene, we see it's Ryu and Jin. Ryu is kind of wheeling Jin around in his wheelchair. And Jin still doesn't get it. He's like, dude, I don't understand your deal. Like, what are you doing? And Jin sa- or Ryu says, you know, I feel like you saved me. I feel like I owe you in some way. And Jin's like, dude, do you not understand? I literally only saved you so that I could then kill you later. Like, that's the reason I saved your life. Right. It was not really a kindness. Right. And but- Ryu responds. And this is where we get some realness from Ryu. Ryu responds. He's like, well, you know, honestly, I don't totally know why I'm saving you. Maybe for the same reason. Like, maybe I'm only saving you so that I can be the one to beat you. Like, man to man. Like, fighter to fighter. Yeah. And this, like, this kind of keeps coming back around is... This is sort of like the heart of this rivalry between these two characters, between Ryu and Jin, is that they are both Kenshi, which I, I think it just means, like, martial artist, like, martial artist slash fighter. Yeah, I meant to look it up in between episodes, and then I forgot. Yeah. But I, 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 in context cues, buddy, context cues. Right. That's what I think we got going on here. But, like, their identity as Kenshi is what is at, like, the heart of their rivalry. And you see this a lot, is that, like, they want to fight one-on-one. Like, we saw this last episode, or last Jin episode, at least, where Jin and Ryu are like, no, we're going to do this out. Like, we're going to duke this out, like, just the two of us. And then... Ryu proceeds to get help from the rest of the Rangers. But Yeah, but even when he says, like, witness the power of our teamwork, that teamwork lasts for a second, and then it's back to one-on-one. Oh, yeah, that's right. 
So this is like a thing. And so Jin actually says, he's like, listen, dude, I'm not totally sure what's going on. I know Zydos has done something to me. No, no, no. He doesn't even say this. Like, well, I, he's I'm sorry. I am, I'm sort of interpreting his mind. But you're, you're right. He doesn't actually say this. But what he says to Jin is, if I'm no longer a Kenshi, like, I want you to kill me. Yeah, like, like if man I lose myself, like, That's I what want he says. you to be the one to kill me. Yeah. And he goes so far as to say, like, here's my weak point. And he just points to his heart, which I'm a little like, dude, Jin, that's everybody's weak point. Like, everybody's weak point is their heart. It's, but I, I got the feeling it was something a little more specific than that. You know, like, he was a video game boss, and he has, like, one spot on him where his armor is weak, and if you hit him enough, he starts to flash red. Right. Like, that this, is what I think is he's pointing out. This is his moment. So he says, this is my weak spot. If I lose myself, I want you to kill me. And, and then Ryu is like, like um, wait, what? Like, Ryu does not really know how to process this information. Yeah, he doesn't a have a lot moment. of time to process it because almost <laughs> immediately Jin starts like flipping out, like falls out of his wheelchair, starts stumbling away, like through this little like creek, turns back and shouts, remember your promise, and then runs into the woods. Oh, well, okay, sorry. There is one quick thing that happens before he runs into the woods, Matt. He, like, stumbles, he falls down on all fours, and then he looks down at his hand, and his hand has, like, claws on it now. Oh, yeah, so, so the is... bone thing is spreading. Right, man. He's, like, actively turning into the Goma monster. So next scene, we see the starving wolf spirit like the bone werewolf thing, is like running around. It's about to attack these two schoolgirls. Daigo attacks. Flying kick out of nowhere. Thankfully in the right spot at the right time. We're just like the rangers all the time. They're always in the right spot at the right time. I'm just going to assume that they're guided by Kirioku because otherwise there is no reason <laughs> for them to always be in the exact right spot. We never so talked he hops about it. In. That makes a ton of sense. Uh, he hops in. Uh, the other... Three rangers who are not Ryu are there. Yeah. They all sort of jump up to the plate. Um, they aura change and they start to fight this thing. Right. Fight, fight, fight. The wolf spirit is getting the worst end of it and he just bugs out. Like he just runs away. Before he gets away though, he gets hit by um, Shoji. Who oh, that's right. The, the Dairinken, like that flying bladed disc. And yeah, it hits like him the in the arm thing. Hits him in the arm and wounds him, and then the wolf spirit runs. That's right. So then we cut. Shortcut. They're all in the park somewhere. Ryu is running around looking for Jin. Finds Jin. Jin's just, like, sitting on the bench, right? And he is no longer starving wolf spirit. He is back to being Jin, and he is, like, holding a bloody arm. Ryu, of course, has no idea what's going on. Then the rest of the rangers show up. They see Jin. Shoji sees the cut on Jin's arm, makes the connection, and is like, Ryu, no, dude, you don't get it. Like, that's the wolf, that's the Goma monster we're looking for. Jin sort of stands up, stumbles away, and clearly sort of against his will, turns into the bone werewolf thing, into the starving wolf spirit. Yeah, he does a bit where, like, you know, he's holding his head and sort of shouting. Zydos comes out from nowhere it's like, ahaha, like, that is no longer Jin. That is now my monster, the starving wolf spirit. I 
injected him with the cells of this starving wolf spirit monster. Like I when he, I had captured him last time. And so now it's no longer Jin. It's just this monster. Right. And they're in a field. They're in like a dusty field for no reason. That clearly was not there like three seconds ago. And the bone thing that we saw like on Jin's arm before, now he can like charge it up and use it to like, he kind of like does like a Guile style, like Sonic Boom kind of. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Right. So he's like, he's like Sonic Booming the Rangers. It's going really well for him. And then Ryu sort of like, he gets his sword out and he's, he knows what to do, right? Because Jin has lost himself, he remembers his promise, and he like kind of gets in there and he stabs Jin slash Starving Wolf Spirit in like the weak spot, right? Which now that he is transformed into a monster, you can see that there's like a gap in his armor and like a little green spot on his chest underneath, right? Like there's just literally a target on him. Yeah. So this is rad. So Ryu stabs him in the spot, right? Yep. Then Jin, but like it doesn't kill him. And so Jin like turns, like grabs the sword, right? Turns back towards Zydos. Like Ryu backs off at this point. So Jin just has his hands on the sword. Jin slash Starving Wolf Spirit turns towards Zydos, says, I am a Kenshi. I do not follow your orders. And like jams the sword deeper in himself. It is so awesome. Yeah, it's killer. Zydos, furious that his plan has failed, launches like an energy barrage or something at Jin. Ryu jumps in the way, save starving wolf spirit. Okay, so they've both gotten knocked down, and now they're both back in their standard human form. Yes. They are surrounded... Now, by Kotopotoro. And Ryu sort of turns to Jin. He's like, Jin, can you fight? And Jin doesn't say anything. Just, like, gives him, like, the grim nod. And they stand up and they go back to back like it is every great action movie ever. And it's oh my awesome. It's Dude, the best. Okay. Anytime so two then... people fight back to back, I'm oh, in yeah. love with it. Oh, oh. Okay, so Jin and Ryu, back-to-back, surrounded by Kotopotoro, they, like, they fight. Fight, fight, fight. Mid-fight, we see see Ryu, and he's like, all right. Like, you can see in his face, in his, what he's saying is like, it's time to bring it. He tensions. We shoot to Jin. We see the same look on Jin's face. He, I can't remember what he calls it. But he, like, turns into his, like, demon fist warrior form. And then they keep fighting. It is so great. So, Ryu is, uh... He is fighting with the Kotopotoros. Jin goes over and starts fighting Zydos. Yeah. One-on-one. He gets in a couple of good shots. Jin punches Zydos in the face. And then he does, like, a Fist of the North Star punch. He does, like, a, you know, kind of, he, like, sets it up. But it's got a name. I can't remember what it's called. Do you remember what it's called, Matt? No, it was probably some sort of like, you know, demon explosion wind fest or something. I think that might actually be. I mean, I'm just making it up, but that sounds about right. And so he just like punches Idos like a hundred times in like three seconds. Almost 
lands like the final shot and then Zydos does like the fist palm, like he catches the fist and like shoots energy at him out of his mouth. And then this turns him back into the starving wolf spirit. Right. Like I said, this episode is very hard to follow because everyone is shifting between like two or three separate forms. Right. So it turns him back into the wolf spirit. The rangers grab the key... Ryoku Bazooka? It has a name, right? Yeah, I think that's it. They just summon the Kiryoku They summon bazooka. the Kiryoku Bazooka. And they they blast the starving wolf spirit. Yeah, Ryu says, like, aim for the weak spot. They do. Kiryoku Bazooka goes off. Wolf spirit goes down. Right. Zydos, by the way, has bugged out. Yeah, he's gone. So Zydos bugs out. They're all... Then the scene sort of, like, cuts... We see all the rangers, and they are on tension. Like, they are just in their normal people forms. They're sort of walking around looking for Jin. Yeah, which is weird, because, like, I don't think that any other time that they have used the Kiryoku Bazooka, there has been anything left to find. You are correct. There has not been. But uh, in this case, all it's done is it has knocked him out of his monster form. So he, uh, I mean, and he's maybe hurt. even defeated like the monster form altogether, like burned it out of him. I don't yeah. know. It's unclear, but like Jin is clearly not doing well. Like he took the hit, you know. Yes, like he is. He is sort of. He is visibly weakened. Yeah, uh, and he stands up and he turns to Ryu and is like, one on one, one last time. Right. So we get the sense, like, Jin knows that he's dying. Right? Right. But he wants to have this fight one last time. Yeah. Like, he wants to go out as a Kenshi. Like, he knows he's dying, and he's like, I want to do this one last fight, and Ryu is going to be the guy. Like, it's going to be me versus Ryu. And even though he knows he's going to lose, he, like, he wants to do the fight. And he's going he to lose, to like, as a, you know, more or less human, yeah. not as a crazy bone wolf. So, they go to fight, they fight for just a second, and there's, like, one last moment, and we see Ryu, like, could have cleaned him, like, you know, could have ended it, doesn't, stops his punch short, and Jin is like, nah, man, like, you screwed up. And I think he, like, calls, he's like, you're so naive. Like, you still don't understand. You'll never, you'll never get it. Yeah, but you know what? At this point, he's sort of smiling. He's like... Yeah. And, like, he, like, at this point, he, he has accepted the fact that, like, Ryu is not going to kill him. Like, he now gets that Ryu is, like, a swell guy who, like was into this rivalry, but not because he wanted to kill him, but because he wanted to prove himself, you know? Yeah. And so, like, now that he's proven himself, like, he doesn't want to kill this guy that he's spent the last couple of days, like, getting to know and helping and nursing back to health. Right. And I he's still like, feel... I still feel a little bad for Jin, though. Because, like, come on. Like, the dude's dying. This is his, like, final request. It's tough. It's, a, it's actually, it's really well done because it's, like, this juxtaposition of these characters that, 
like Jin wants Ryu to be someone that he's not, but he also doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so as he's he sort of turns to leave, and before he does, he says to Ryu, sort of in that way that you were just saying, where he wants him to be like I think that Jin really wants Ryu to be more like Jin. Yeah, he does. You know? And so But he also wants leaving, himself to be more like Ryu. You know what I mean? But he yeah. can't. And so as he's leaving, he's like, listen, just remember this one thing. There is going to be a time as a fighter where you need to get past your own emotions and just focus on the fight. Yeah. Like, just remember that for me. Like, I'm, I'm waiting for that to come back because I feel like it has to. Like, I now have enough faith in the writers of this show that that moment will happen. And so he turns and he walks away. And before he sort of gets out of sight, he turns around one last time and he says, well, Ryu, I guess I was just, you know, too troublesome for you to deal with after all. Like, you know, I'm sorry for being such a hassle. Thank you. Like, thank you for everything. Right. And he then he leaves. Wanders off. And it's great. It's, it's such a great moment for, like, because we've only seen Jin in like four episodes. It's not like he's had this huge arc. As a compared to, I mean, I don't even think he's been in as many episodes as Kujiku, but uh, they've just done so much more with the character in the short amount of time they've gotten. Yeah, that man. He is, I think he might be my favorite supporting character in the show. He's pretty rad. Okay. So we cut to a new, to the last scene. We see Jin sort of wandering in. It, it can't be. But it looks like he's just wandering in the desert somewhere. Maybe it's a beach or something. Maybe it's a beach. He's literally walking into the sunset. Yeah. Like, you see this. It's fantastic. He's on the in the sand. Let's just say in the sand. In the sand, backlit by the setting sun. He turns, like, away from the camera. And we see, like, up on a ridge are, like, 60 Kotopotoro. And Zydos, right? And Zydos just turns to the Code of Potter and is like, do it, or kill him, or something. Right. We see Jin flashes back to Jin. Jin smiles. Because again, like, he knows he's dying. Jin smiles, but he's like, yes. Like, this is how I wanted this to happen. So That's the Code of Potter attack. Oh, and then he pulls out his evil coin with the skull on it? Oh, man. Throws, the, flips the coin like he normally does. And then we see this fight, and he is literally, he's like beating Kotopotoro, backlit by the setting sun. So he's fighting them against the backdrop of the sunset. The fight's almost entirely in silhouette. It's slow motion. There's this, like, dramatic music playing. And he's winning the fight. Like, there's a bunch of Kotopotoro coming at him. But, like, they, even though he's dying, they still can't beat him in a hand-to-hand fight. And right. then we cut back to Zydos, and he gives one last order. And there's a whole bunch of Kotopotoro with, like, machine guns, and they just gun him down. They, well, like, they, they turn to gun him down. It's, actually, it's shot very cool, because you see them pull the guns, and then you cut back to a shot of Jin, and he, like, leaps up in the air towards them. There's oh, a yeah! freeze frame with him in the air, and then the camera cuts back to the Kotopotoros. They open fire, but you never actually see them shoot Jin. But the last shot of the episode is that the coin that he threw in the air landing. And Which then, has like, never happened before. starts falling on it. Yeah. That coin has never hit the ground because he always throws it up, defeats his opponent, and then catches it. 
but this time hits yeah, the he, ground. He wasn't there to pick it up. Oh. And so it's great because like you know that he died in this really great scene, but like they don't actually have to it's listen, guys. It's a good episode. This it's is a, le- a good like, show. This is legitimately really good television. This like, is, it's for like, kids, and the time, budget isn't high. Every time there's a Jin episode, it just shifts from being, like, you know, a uh, superhero show for kids to being an awesome kung fu movie. Yeah. That like, also this is contains a really, superheroes <laughs> this is for really kids. really good episode. It's like, I'm, I sort of want to apologize and not a ton of jokes, but it's just a killer episode. Like, it's so good. Listen, next week we got the Three Stooges. There's going to be jokes next week. (laughs) Oh, man, that means Bill's going to record with us, right? Yes. uh, Next week, um, our buddy Bill Tobin is going to be recording with us. Um, But, Dave, let's finish up this episode. Uh, What was your high point of the week? Oh, dude. Um, Man, there are so many. I... (sighs) Okay. My high point of the week is going to be the last fight between Ryu and Jin. Because I feel like it's this culmination of their character arc together. Where, like, at first Ryu... Like, Jin is this bad guy. And at first I feel like Ryu thinks he wants to be Jin... And he kind of goes along that path for a little bit. And then he realizes that he doesn't want to be Jin, that he has to be himself. And when Ryu decides that he needs to be himself, Jin sort of realizes that ultimately what he would actually rather do is be more like Ryu. But he can't do it. It's just, it's, it was really good TV. It was a great story. It's solid television. Okay, so if you have one, and I feel like these are going to get a lot more hard to scrape up as this show is wrapping up, but if you have one, what is your low point? Oh, dang, man. My low point... I think maybe my low point, and I'm really scraping here, Matt. I think my low point is that Zydos never seems to take this real seriously. That's the only thing I can think of. Like, he's kind of goof, like, not goofy-goofy, but he's not nearly as invested in what's happening as Ryu and Jin. Although even that is kind of good television. I was going to say, I actually of the really fact, like that. Yeah, that the Goma commanders don't care. Like, they're entirely self-focused. All they're interested in is doing the thing that they want to do. So even that kind of works. Like, Everybody else is experiencing all this drama, and Zydos is just kind of off. So it's actually kind of a high point. I don't know, man. I don't have a low point for this episode. It was okay. fantastic. How about you? High point? Uh, my high point is that last fight between Jin and all of the Cotopodros, where he gets gunned down in a blaze of glory in the sunset. It's Dude, just I thought this... about using that. Oh, man. It's such a good moment. And I won't go into why it's so good again, because I literally just talked about it. (laughs) Like 30 seconds ago. But that is 100% my high point of the episode. It was just so good. Do you have a low point? I couldn't think of one. I don't. I mean, there are things that I would sometimes bring in as a low point that actually work in this episode. Like, no giant robots. Well, you don't need giant robots in this episode. Yeah. You know, you don't get... A lot of the other supporting characters, like Ko or Kaku or Cameo, any of the 
any of the Ks are really in this episode. But again, yeah. that's fine because really all you need in this episode is yeah, it's, Jin it's Ryu and, and Ryu. Ryu. So, so yeah, nope. I uh, two weeks running. I do not have a low point. Yeah, just good stuff, man. All right, well, I think that's everything from us, right? Yep, that is going to awesome. do it for another episode of Living Let Die Ranger. Thanks for joining us. Before we finish up here, I'd just like to remind you all that you can email the show at SuperSentaiBrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or contact us on Twitter, we are at SuperSentaiBros. If you like the show, please remember, shining in the iTunes review sections, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what helps people find the show. Uh, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we're the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week. Now-